What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. We are here for the fourth episode of the now-named Bottom Sprocket. There were a bunch of people that were uh, in love with the name and very much not in love with the name. Um, but you know what? That gives you more just room to grow and enjoy it uh, as time goes on. Because unfortunately, it's too late. Once you name something on the internet, it's just stuck. So for today, we're talking dealership horror stories. Everybody has one, at least. Um, and I, basically, you collect them like Pokemon cards at this point. Whether it's the service department, whether it's sales guys, whatever it is, I've seen some crazy stuff. And I'm sure we have plenty of great stories coming from the Discord. And then today, we have the meme contest back in full force. With a Cardo up for grabs, we're doing Top Gear Bottom Sprocket memes. I was told not to look in at any of them. I managed to, because we have a lot of video submissions this week, Ooh, I managed yeah. to uh, avoid a lot of spoilers. I know a lot of them are like based on the intro, but I'm super pumped to check them all out. I'm so very excited. We're, we're going to be seeing some great memes, and it looks like Josh is finally back. Dun, 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 dun. Is he there? Nope. All right, we're just going to power through. But without further ado, let's dive on in and have a good time today. We're just we're just going to make fun of some dealerships. It should be a lot of fun. Let's do it. Dealership horror stories. I, again, like I said, they they're everybody's got at least one. And I guess my dealership horror stories less to do with uh the actual dealership itself and more to do with just the life that you live when you subject yourself to Eurobike. Uh, that's just, that's, it's no fun to realize that you're going to be spending a whole bunch of cash and waiting on parts. But for those of you who don't know, this story has to do with my, uh, with my KTM, the SMCR having been attempted stolen three separate times in the like two years that I owned it. I only actually had it in my possession for like 12 months. You became an insurance expert, an insurance claim expert just by ownership. Yeah. So the, I took it to the KTM dealership here in Austin and this saga spans probably at least a solid 13 months. So uh, I took it to the KTM dealership here and they were like, okay, your ignition barrel, because the first time somebody tried to steal it, what they did is they jammed a screwdriver in the ignition. Classic. They tried to jimmy it and they took they ripped off a panel. Um, that's, that's usually how it goes with this sort of stuff. But then uh, they were like, okay, great. This is uh, 2020, I believe, like early early to late 2020 and they're like no parts are available you're not going to get another ignition cylinder for at least another month and so i keep calling them every two weeks basically i'm just like i have a repeat notification on my phone call tj's check part and they're like nope not available not available not available and i'm like okay this sucks but i can wait as soon as it comes off back order just get me in in the list and everything will be fine Sure enough, a couple months later, just after Christmas, somebody tried to steal the bike again. And this time they actually cracked the frame. And normally, 
normally when you have frame damage, that's just the death of the motorcycle. It's just it's it's just a write off. Anytime you have um, like aluminum twin spar frames, like on a sport bike uh, or a naked bike, it's just dead, and that's that's fine because the amount of labor that it takes to repair the bike or the cost of the frame itself, it's just not going to reach the value of the bike. So you, you just total it out. Unfortunately, this is not the case. So on a KTM SMCR, the frame costs $2,500. <laughs> so they were like, nah, it's, it's $2,500 and it's 10 hours worth of labor at $150 an hour. So it was like four grand in repairs. Yeah, it's it's really not that hard to move the engine over. Ten hours of labor. Yeah, there's nothing on that bike. Yeah, and so uh, they were like, "Nope, it's repairable. We're gonna get you a new frame." And I was like, "Because I knew that this was immediately at the height of COVID. I was never gonna see one of those frames ever." So uh, sure enough, I am just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and spring rolls around. And I'm like, do we have a frame? No. And eventually it got to the point where I was like, just give me my motorcycle back. I know it works and the frame is damaged, but it's not significantly damaged to the point where it's unrideable. Literally, literally the day after I bailed the bike out from TJ's, I get a call that my frame is ready and they have to have my bike back because to send the frame to Austria to get the new one, basically the way it works is they had to cut the headstock off because that's where the VIN is. And you can only have one active VIN on a, on a frame out in the wild because otherwise you could theoretically have two motorcycles with the same VIN and that that's not kosher. So they had to cut the headstock off, send that to Austria, send it back to the States with the new frame. And then it took them like two weeks to put it all together. But unfortunately, you know, a tech is only one person, one set of eyes. So i noticed there was some stuff that wasn't done right. First thing I do is I get on the bike to test it in the parking lot, push the rear brake and the rear brake cylinder wasn't mounted properly. So I was like, Nope, you got to fix this. And then I got home and I noticed that my exhaust bracket was loose. And I was like, you have to fix this. And I, I had to keep going back and forth. And again, this isn't, I'm not disparaging the dealership or the tech here. This was a full motorcycle build that this dude had to do. And so of course you're going to, it stands to reason that you're going to end up with a couple of spare parts left over. But then somebody tried to steal it a third time after all of that. And they tried to unbolt my engine motor mounts. So I had to take it back in to make sure that none of the frame tabs had gotten um, bent and that the motor was still all set up right. And then finally, I was like, you know what? Fuck this motorcycle. And I sold it and got a Ducati. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it sounds like you live on the south side of Chicago, but you live in Mueller, which mm -hmm. is like a beautiful, nice little, I don't know, the, the town that popped up within the last two years. Mm hmm. And yet, do you think it's the same person, like, just f***ing you over? I honestly think so. I think what happens is you get, like, these bike thieves that run in, like, cycles. And they were just like, like, okay, this one they hit this one building, determined. then they hit this other building, then they hit this other building, and they basically rotate buildings. 
and they just knew that this was like a dirt bike that should be easier to steal. Unfortunately, it wasn't. So, uh, yeah, Sean asked, Jesus, that bike was cursed. Yeah. It absolutely was cursed, man. By that man. time, when a bike accrues enough bad juju, bye-bye. Like, you're like, get this. That's the last thing you need bad juju on. Yeah, it, it was a freaking disaster. It was absolutely a freaking disaster. But I will say, despite all of that, uh, it wasn't it wasn't the dealer's fault. It was just the the connection and the supply chain between the um, between the American dealership and the Austrian factory. You know, yeah, it took me seven months to get a BMW wheel. Yeah, you went through the same thing where you had a you had a bent wheel. Yeah, Haida twenty twenty. Like he's like, yeah, it's gonna be a while. I was like, all right. I don't ever deal with dealerships. Like the wheel thing took forever, but I, I knew that that was just what everybody was mm -hmm. going through. And then trying to get rubber. Oh yeah, that that's like right. Another, oh my God. I was like, all right, I'm done. You know, when you buy a bike and they'll like do a thing, I don't know. They'll tour you around the dealership or they'll mm -hmm. hit the bell or ring the gong. I don't know. Tacky stuff like that. He brought me back to the BMW uh, service desk mm -hmm. And the guy was like, uh, don't ever get your bike worked on here. <laughs> and I started laughing. I was like, why? And he's like, this is so, this is one of the easiest bikes to work on. He's like, we'll print you out whatever you want. But he's like, please don't ever send it here. And I was like, that's right. actually really awesome. Okay, I won't. And then I never did. And they do. They print me out like I've had to replace it on that bike, obviously. And they'll print me out the whole dealership manual for it. That's awesome. Yes. Because usually it's really hard to get the the shop manual for oh, a bike. they give it to me. And I was, I was like, yes, thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of that boxer. As long as you never have to get to the clutch. If you have to do the clutch, you should just take it up to Bob it in Arkansas. It is 100% going to, I'm going to sell it. <laughs> Before you have to do the clutch. I'm 100%. It's just itchy. I, I'm itchy. You want to get it gone? Yeah. Well, there you I go. Love, I love that bike. I love everything about it. But I'm like, I rode the MTO 9 SP. Yes yesterday two days ago and i was like i'm missing out on a lot <laughs> oh my god you absolutely are and i uh don't know what i'm doing so yeah so are you gonna run out and get yourself an mto9 sp is that is that what spoiler alert no, for really, your video the whole time i just wanted to ride a new xsr really yes yeah the fucking succulent auto blip yeah up and down dude mm -hmm. oh my god i was like going over that gigantic highway from uh 183 north to 35 north like mm -hmm. that massive swoop doing like 80 it's just so good i was like burn these bikes i don't want them like i was just <laughs> like i'm over the aesthetic <laughs> chapter in my life i was like burn these bikes i can't believe like you, that's stock on both of them. Yeah. Josh says he's not coming back. Oh, bummer. <laughs> Josh says, Josh, sorry, I had that pulled up. Josh says, you guys run this one without me. I'm sure he's going to go pour himself a nice tall pint of the nearest whiskey. <laughs> whatever, uh, whatever he's got up there, Mountain Dew, literal Mountain Dew. A note to editing, Josh. We're sorry you can't join us. I'm sure that was very frustrating. Yeah. Um, 
maybe we shall figure this out. But since we're running out of dealership horror stories, because apparently we just haven't run into any, I know we've got some good ones from the Discord. That's what I was waiting for. So let's dive in with white and blue. I'm going to go ahead and zoom in because my tired eyes is not getting ready to look at all of this. <clears throat> white and blue dealer horror story harley davidson me a young chap of 23 years old got into uh yeah you go in uh, goddamn words <laughs> let's try that again <laughs> my brain literally today my brain is on a pull cord harley davidson me a young chap of 23 years old go in and get myself a sport glide there's your problem right there after checking in with the sales rep, I got told that it would be there shortly. Cue for an hour wait time. My dad comes in at the 55 years of age. The sales rep I told was interested in the Sport Glide came over half a minute after seeing my dad next to me at the Sport Glide, greeted my father and asked if he was interested in the bike. <laughs> he told him he wasn't and that I was the one that was interested. He smiled and went away and asked if it would be my first Harley. I answered yes. And then when he told me I should just go get a used Sportster instead. Oh. Oof. I told him that I was in, interested in a Sportster and his response was, well, then he can't do anything for me and then I should oh, go get no. a Sportster. That's brutal, dude. Really? Think of how excited you are. You're like getting married. You're like, oh yeah, I'm getting, I'm going to the dealership. I'm getting my bike. Probably got some ducks in a row. Yeah. And then you get shit on. Mm -mm. That's, that's so messed up that somebody would just be like, Okay, look, I get it if you're if you've got a red raw beginner who like can't do a test ride, who wants to put down money on an S1000 double R and you're like you're like please dude, you need you do not need to start on this motorcycle. Start start on a 650. Let right. me let me get you let me get you set up on an Ninja 650. We'll cut you a little bit of a deal and then this guy's still pushing. Then I totally get walking away from the deal. It's kind of like well, because um, then that person's life is, you know, you're like, come on, I don't want this blood on my hands. It's like it's like you, if you're a realtor, you 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 basically work by word of mouth, and if somebody like, especially with a dealership, if somebody's like, well, they sold this kid yes. an S1000 double yes. R, and he wrapped himself around a telephone pole, that's bad. With a Sportster or with it with any Harley, pretty much any Harley, aside from the new ones, uh, that doesn't matter. Right. It it just doesn't, especially this uh the sport glide. And don't they have their own like MSF course? Mm -hmm. Yeah, throw them in there. Exactly. You know, get them all set up. No, there's no reason for some sales guy to walk away from you, especially like again. I don't mean to harp on the sport glide, but I think it's the 103 or it's the 107. It's the smallest of the Milwaukee eights. It's not that scary of a bike. Anybody could ride one. Frankly, they're just a little heavy, but maybe he was just being some kind of like elitist being like a beginner can't start on a, on a soft tail frame. Harley, that's, that's messed up, man. T fits here with, uh, another story here. This seems like a common thing. Two unrelated dealerships tried to pull this on me and my wife, the $1,300 <laughs> lifetime battery replacement warranty thing. If anyone is ever going to use $1,300 worth of batteries on a single vehicle, uh, they added it up sneakily both times, once at a national chain dealership, rhymes with ride now, and the other at a local spot. <clears throat> so 
there are a couple of things that a dealership can throw in that are good. Like, like what though? Gap. Oh, well, okay. Gap so, is like without a doubt the thing that you have to get. If you don't get that, you're a dum-dum. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Gap is guaranteed asset protection. What that means is if you find, let's say you finance a motorcycle that's $15,000, your note ends up being like 17 grand after fees and the bike depreciates in value and is no longer worth $15,000. It's say, let's say it's worth 10 grand and you total it out. The insurance is going to pay you for 10 grand, mm -hmm. right? Less your deductible gap will then make up the rest of that. That's super valuable because it means you don't end up paying on a note that you uh, you basically don't have the bike for anymore. Now, I've declined gap on a couple of different bikes now because I was out from under the bike when I financed it. So, right, which is way different if you do that. But if you're like me, no money down, yeah, nothing. Here, oh, I want to take out a loan for thirteen grand. Psh, give me that gap coverage, and it's like three hundred dollars. Yeah. So that's a fee that you want to see. Um, wheel and tire can add up if especially if you like live near a construction zone you you'd be surprised how many times i've picked up nails and they'll right. they'll, they'll just it'll be 50 dollars for a new tire and you can be a little bit sneaky with this but let's say so i just replaced the uh angel gt on my hyperstrata if i had wheel and tire and i wanted a 50 dollar tire all i would need to do is just put a nail in it and then go right around the block and that would scuff up the nail that's in there and I'd get a, a, a almost free tire. So if you want to be duplicitous about it, you can get a couple of free tires out of it. So I'm a little uh, bit more got, okay with wheel and tire. If you've got extra time on your hands, sure. It's not even that much extra time. It's you literally just hammer a nail in there and ride around the block to make sure that the nail scuffed up and pushed into the tire normally. <laughs> Battery protection that one's just bull and it is be, really expensive. That must be new. I, I've never been offered lifetime battery replacement. When I bought the KLR, I was offered lifetime battery. And they were like, yeah, you have these 12-volt sockets and stuff on your bike. So it's possible that you'll wear the battery down. And I'm like, no, they're all tied to the ignition. It's going to turn off when the bike turns off. And then they're like, okay, we'll take it off. So if you just if you exercise a little bit of knowledge about it, They'll just take it off. But it is really shady that they just threw it on there for you. I I hate when dealerships come up with the like extra warranties and stuff. Like I got called a bunch of times for my KLR. They were like, hey, your your factory warranty is about to be up on it. Well, it's actually, I got it for another. No, it's up because I did 5,000 miles. Uh, your warranty's up. Do you want to, do you want to get our warranty? And I'm like, what's it cover? Well, everything but normal wear and tear. What's normal wear and tear? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. <laughs> they they could not define what normal wear and tear is. Like if I have a clutch problem, is that normal wear and tear? Even if it's accelerated, like let's say my clutch goes out at 6,000 miles. Dude, sitting at the Ford dealership with all the Bronco warranties, I'm like, mm -hmm. this is hilarious. You're like, no, I, I don't need anything. Especially since you have the real Bronco, not the Bronco 2, because that one's made in the states whereas the bronco 2 is just an escape are you talking about the sport yeah yeah um so that like the one that you have doesn't really need a lot of warranties 
Oh, let's see if Full Metal Corgi has one here. No, he's just got a bunch of memes. So <laughs> he's got gonna... 800 meme entries. He's only got one. He has he has one uh, that was basically like if you have too many uh, video entries, you can use this photo. Oh, okay. And I'm like, nah, dude. He was giving you we're, options. We're gonna do exactly what you want. <clears throat> uh, Diabetes man buying the ZX6R pre-COVID. Found one five minutes away. Again, this is this is ride now. So this is when um, Woods Fun Center here in right Austin, before they were bought by the national chain. Uh, found one five minutes away from me and one that looked like it was 45 minutes away. Call the two dealerships and ask for their out-the-door prices. The farther one was 30% under the closer one. I go to the closer one and say something along the lines of, hey, this dealership is beating your price by 30%. Any wiggle room? And they reply that the other dealership is lying to me and that there's nice. no way they're selling a new 2020 model for uh, your bike for that cheap. They were, in fact, selling a brand new bike for that cheap. It's a really it's a it's not a red flag at all when the dealership tells you that another dealership is lying to you. Oh, absolutely. You're like, yeah. oh, huh. It's fascinating that you would just say that immediately. Because I know, I think I know exactly where he bought this one. Um, I don't think it exists anymore. It was, it was like a small one out in the hills here. I think it was out one eighty, no two ninety, no two ninety. Yeah, uh, that doesn't exist. And it was just this small, like they mostly sold the side by sides and stuff because it's kind of out by where the farms were. So it makes sense that they just have this bike sitting there that they're like somebody. If we live, if we were in the city, we'd sell a thousand of these, but we live out and we're out in the sticks and nobody wants to buy one. So, uh, but to just be like, yeah, they're lying to you and not try to do anything to match, especially this is where you should be like, oh, I've got the documents. Yeah. It's not lying. This is the, this, this is the paper. So if you were going to do that again, I would suggest you actually get the like write up quote and then be like, here's the quote. Do you want to yeah, sell bring, me a bike on top of this? Bring in the listing and show them. Yeah. Aussie Rider is next. I went to my local Kawasaki dealership in 2006 and stood next to the bike I wanted to buy. I stood there for an hour while two of the sales staff were chatting with one another and the third was fawning over a female customer and eventually yeah. left empty-handed. Whoa. <sighs> okay. Aussie um, didn't, didn't want to go bug anybody. So... It sucks, but it's kind of like uh, getting service in another country where you basically just have to be like, you know, it's okay to flag somebody down because uh, a lot of times people will just walk into a dealership and kick some tires, you know, but the fact that you like stood there, they they should have come up and said something. When I bought this fart, I'm like, hey, uh, hey, hey I could I just, I just want here, uh, you know nobody was they're all pretty busy running around when i bought my ktm they didn't seem like super motivated to sell no, it until no, no, we no. got to the point where i was like signing paperwork and then they were like oh let me go get you a better deal let me go get you a better deal all right let me go talk to the that's guy little, this is the best thing that's we a little can do. late in the game right it was a little late in the game but they got their act together and they actually got me a really good deal on it like i would it was I did feel like I was bothering them the whole time I was trying to buy that bike. I'm an asshole when I go to buy stuff. 
Literally the only time I wasn't the, the the only time I didn't go enter a sale with a chip on my shoulder was when I went to AF1 because they literally just came in and they were like this is this is the list price this is our out the door price we can negotiate since you're trading in we'll give you a little bit here and this is the best deal and I looked at it and I was like that's a good deal let's walk let's just do it it's possible, but it just everybody I know who's bought stuff from AF1, they're like, yeah, no, it was easy. It was, oh, I remember buying my Ducati Scrambler and being like, okay, you've got 0% APR for two years on this deal. Got to buy it before the year ends. I go there and they're like, oh, no, 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 not that one. <laughs> I was like, your owner called and said to buy that one. They tried to like, we'll give you a free jacket. And I'm like, no, no, I want the zero percent APR, and they're like, "We'll give you free maintenance for a year." And I'm like, "No, I want the zero APR." He tossed the keys at me, didn't say buy or anything. I was like, "It's the promotion you sold me on to get this bike." Yeah, That's I barely had erased that from my mind. I mean, it, it feels to me like you've just kind of erased the scrambler from your existence. <laughs> yes, I yeah, I was over that bike real quick. It's a bummer. I really like that engine. Um, looks like Diabetes Man came back. Can confirm AF1 is an amazing is amazing to buy oh, from. Did he, he get bought, the Tuareg from there? Yeah, he bought his Tuareg from awesome. AF1. So there we go. It's not just me saying that. Uh, Aussie Riders, second bit here. The next weekend, I rode 35 kilometers to the next nearest dealer and was swarmed by sales staff as I was dismounting. Rode away with the paperwork on a brand new ER6F. I think that's the. I don't know what that is. I think that's a uh, Ninja 650. Black and red, uh, a black fairing on a red frame with the Kawasaki luggage rack, top box, plus the new helmet. Man, they they treated you good at this one. They even delivered the bike to my home for free. Uh, now have grown to be the, the uh, Kawasaki Honda Triumph BMW dealer while my local dealer closed down years ago. Why have I never heard the Ninja referred to as the ER6F besides that just being a mouthful? But I feel like I've worked near you for years and I've never... Because I just call it the Ninja 650. Doesn't everybody on Earth call it that? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I'm not sure why he went technical with it, but a lot of people... ER6F. Wow. All right. I'm pretty sure that's an interesting Yeah, no, it is. I looked it up. I was like, what? It is. Never read that in all the research I had to do. And yeah, it's it, it's the technical designation of it. All right. Dasco here with a horror story. Before starting my business, I worked as the service manager of one of the 20 largest Honda Power Sports dealerships in Canada. This was a small family run business. That was okay. That was crooked as hell. They were at one time on the outs with Yamaha after failing to pay for. Oh, hell hell yeah. They failed to pay for bikes (laughs) from a a Japanese manufacturer will not take that lying down. They would try and avoid having to service bikes that had previously sold if they were no longer interested in working on that brand, but wouldn't hesitate to buy those bikes used, put them on the floor, and not let the mechanics even figure out what they needed until they had been sold to a customer, had been given a completely imaginary possible delivery date. Oh, yikes. They would then lie to the customers about delivery timelines for months on end. Last I checked, they were still playing these games. 
<clears throat> they sold the crap they sold crap like Stella's at the uh, at one point a new engine came in from India and the plant had clearly run out of casting oh, sand no. because the engine had clearly been <laughs> cast in curry powder it was yellow and smelled delightful they're like screw it go in the back grab a box <laughs> I've never heard of a dealership trying to cross their suppliers Dude, that is some big ball that is some Big you go balls. balls and you all the time. Like that's literally that is Dude, that's nuts. That is where you eat. Like yeah. if you screw a if you screw a manufacturer, what are you gonna do? I mean, clearly they're they're busy with something else. Yeah. Um, I will say there's a surprising amount of uh faults that you can find on used bikes because Oftentimes on intake, some dealerships won't, um, they, they won't like find the, it, to give you an example of what I'm trying to say here, cause my brain is freaking applesauce right now. Uh, my buddy, he had a triumph speed triple, one of the old ones. It was mm -hmm. this like nasty, ugly lime green color that was just disgusting. <laughs> um, he sold it and he got his, CBR 1000 double R, which was then promptly stolen. But, uh, so he sold this triumph in second or third gear. It would drop out of gear at, if you like hit a certain RPM and like, basically the transmission was failing right on this bike, but on intake, they can't test all of that stuff, you know? So they, they can't be like, okay, we're going to run it on the dyno. We're going to run it at every single, uh, speed and RPM. And we're going to make sure that this thing is absolutely cherry. No dealership has time for that. Uh, it also costs them time. If the tech's not working on another motorcycle, they're trying to deal with this intake. So it's totally possible that some of those problems like just slipped by, but I, also there are some obvious issues like the one that my nine one nine had at 4,000 RPM, which is where you normally ride on that motorcycle. The throttle position sensor was like this. It would stutter really bad. There's no way anybody missed that if they were doing a test ride. They just didn't do a test ride when they bought it from me. So, and then they then sold it to somebody guaranteed for at least three thousand bucks. You'll you, you just need to you really need to be careful with some used bikes and do a good test ride on them. But then some dealerships don't do test rides, right? And you've never gone on a test ride from nope. any bike that you bought. Nope. That's still blows my mind every time i hear it i know i say it every time it comes up but i'm an impulsive buyer i see a bike and i'm like that's the one and i've never regretted anything do you buy used or do you buy new all new well there you go yeah, yeah. so if you don't buy used then you can be super impulsive like that i guess i didn't i didn't test ride the used bikes either i traded my half stack for that old 70s suzuki gs mm, yep and you're it was when I lived in Minnesota though. So like now thinking about it, all the bikes I bought, it was winter, you know? So you had plenty of cheap. time to figure it out. No, it was just like weird Craigslist surfing. Oh, see, this is, this is the issue when you're an idiot aesthetic only person mm -hmm. and you're like, I like to work on this. I want to make it look good. And then it never runs because it's from the sixties. And then, <laughs> so then you don't care about, you know, I bought fixer upper bikes. Yeah, I 
I used to think fixing up fixer uppers were these like idyllic project things. No, they're like soul sucking demonic. Well, the ones I've had, I'm sure there's some out there that are great. The whole point of my DRZ was that it was supposed to be a, uh, <laughs> dude, it was watching, supposed to be a fun project. Watching you get near the DRZ was an experience in itself. Yeah. Your hair would get longer and frizzier. You know, there was. I just couldn't hang with that bike. I know you couldn't. Eventually, I just wanted to see it, you know, turned into soda cans. But oh, well, that would have been fun to see it just like get picked to pieces and then recycled and watch all the pieces individually go. And I still can't believe I I sold it for like forty three hundred bucks, maybe four grand. Do you, does it still have delivery on it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> or did they just immediately get rid of that? But again, here here we go to. I'm I'm not gonna call myself a shady seller when it comes to this bike. But Wait a it, second. It, it Are you admitting have a problem. that you were a shady seller? It did have a problem where the it would like start to choke up and start to die as it got really really hot. Um, where it just it like wouldn't idle right. I like um, problems like that. I had a Jeep like that where you're like. I don't care what's going on. I will get rid of this before I dive into why that's happening. I just taken the carburetor out so many. I'm sure the valves just needed to be adjusted. I'm sure it was a valve job. It was an old motor but and I never took the top end off. Didn't want to do it. And I didn't want to do it. You so I sold it interested in doing and, the, that. and the guy, he was gone for about 20 minutes on a cold day. It fired right up for him because the electron carb was really good at that. And certainly during his test ride, it would not have encountered this issue. It only really happened in the summer when it's hot as balls out. So I I hope he's doing, I hope he's still enjoying it. Probably if you service the valves, that problem will go away. Uh, our last horror story for the day is from 2022 SMCR rider who I see in the comments every now and again, because uh, I will, anytime I see an SMCR in a profile picture, I stop and look. Uh, buying my first ever brand new bike, never bought a new car or motorcycle last year, bought the 2022 KTM 690 SMCR thought it would be a good day. Well, I was wrong. Oh no. <laughs> Went there to buy the bike outright with cash, man. If you have cash, it should just be an easy job. Try to get a little off the price. Nope. Tried to get the first service covered with the price. Nope. Uh, how about a helmet? Nope. Ram mount. Nope. <laughs> Man, that sucks. Yeah, that's... Anyway, I buy the bike since it was the only one in 100 miles of me, and I obviously wanted it pretty bad. After a bit, I noticed that the Speedo was off by a bunch. Like, it says I'm going 90 when I'm actually going 70. Ooh. That's weird. That is weird. If I remember correctly, they read them off the transmission, not the wheels. Uh, Where was I? So I call about uh, I call about it and get told that there is no problem. Just take it in for the first service. Not only do they not fix the speedo, they charge me four hundred dollars just to change Wait. the oil on I, a on an SMCR. No, it's on not, an no. SMCR, they wanted to what four hundred dollars to change the oil is butt. That's weird. <laughs> what. I will never go back to this place and probably actually never go back to a dealership ever again. So anyway, avoid Bentley's KTM in Pittsburgh, PA at all costs. So it's kind of weird if you come in with cash. Yeah, Summit says uh, they don't like cash deals because they make money on financing. And that's true. I feel like they're kind of like, eh. Yeah, it, it makes sense if you come in with cash that they don't want to bundle in a whole bunch of stuff. But 
it should have it should have just been an easy deal, you know. It should have just been like, okay. Well, and he just wanted a little something. He just wanted a little something, something, and they didn't give him a single thing. Especially if you're just if you are going to suddenly have twelve thousand dollars just come in. I, yeah. I wonder what the margins are on SNCRs. Probably not great. Yeah, they're probably not that great. Yeah, uh, because well, no, okay, let's think about this. The the spark peelin was like. I think 10, five original MSRP, mm-hmm. which is whatever. I got mine for like seven, five. I think that's because TJ just wanted them gone. Cause they, well, were that's weird. what he told me. He was like, we want this gone. And then they discontinued it or whatever. But. Because dealerships actually have to pay for bikes that they hold. This is where oh, I kind of okay. wish Josh was here because he actually knows the I know. behind the scenes. Dude, come on. Um, God damn it, Josh. But, uh, I know dealerships have to, pay for bikes that they're holding i think they after a certain type kind of uh, certain number of months they actually end up having to pay to maintain the inventory Mm -hmm. they have to pay to buy them there's like a whole bunch of fees that get passed to the dealership from manufacturers that then get passed to us in terms of raised prices and dealer fees and stuff so uh it's not necessarily true that dealerships are trying to screw you over. It's possible that the manufacturer is trying to get a bunch of money out of the dealership. But $400 for an oil change? Bullshit. Dude, that takes you, what, like 20 minutes? Um, I mean, it's- So on the SMCR, there's two hidden oil screens. <laughs> um, it takes me... It, if I'm going slow, it'll take me about 45 minutes to do an oil change. Most shops are about $150 an hour. So you're looking at uh, like $100 to $110. And then you're looking at probably in terms of parts, 15 bucks. Oh, I've never Maybe paid 20 bucks. $400 for anything. Come yeah. to think of it. It's like having valves adjusted. Oh, 100 bucks. Like it's never. So I will say this about first services. Um, I normally do, don't do the first service myself. I normally take it to a dealership because I like to have a tech look at it. Uh, just because for certain dealerships that they'll just realize that warranty work costs them money. Mm -hmm. And so if they have like, let's say for example, the KLR comes in and Kawasaki from the factory doesn't torque the head bolts down hard enough. And after 6,000 miles, you blow the head gasket if you don't torque it down right. Every service manual ever is going to say check fasteners for torque in that first service. But most people are just going to be like, okay, is my swing arm bolt tight enough? Uh, But they're not going to look at like torquing the head bolts. But a dealership may have learned that over time, if you don't torque the head bolts in, you'll blow the head gasket and then the dealership has to pay for the warranty work then the dealership is going to be like, no, you need to check this on 2022 KLR 650s. You know, that's the kind of benefit you get from a dealership looking at it. At least that's in my opinion. Um, I'm actually working on a video about some of this, like buying a bike from a dealership and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, Which is part of the reason why I wanted to go over this because I need some ideas for that script. But cha-ching, cha-ching. With all of our horror stories exhausted, we now get to go into the fun part of today. Finally. The meme contest. We have some great memes this week for 
Uh, I'm so excited. We, we have a bunch of great memes this week, and uh, it's time to dive in. And if you are just listening in, uh, we're going to go ahead and cut it here. Really? Um, you don't want to? You don't want to describe the sweet, sweet happenings? What if somebody's at work and they? If somebody's at work, you should just open it in in your in your YouTube and go check it out on YouTube. Right. It's just go. It's on the channel. You can find it. I want to see some. Uh, I want to see some drums in the live chat. Are we ready for memes or what? Yeah, let's do it.